Good morning, my friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to Morning Glory, our midweek Bible study, and I'm so glad that you are here today. Before we jump into today's message, let me remind you that we do have the Israel tour all scheduled. Hotels are reserved and we are ready to go. The dates are April 29th through May the 9th, 2024. My friends, it is very hard to get hotel rooms in Israel right now because of the record-breaking tourism, but we not only have wonderful places to stay, but for the six nights that were in Jerusalem, we secured one of the most beautiful hotels in the city. And so if you want to go and have a great time, this is the tour to be on because it really is the best of, of Israel, May 29th through May the 9th, 2024. And just go to the website, stephenbrooks.org, and uh, the first slider uh, has the uh, tour information. You could click that. Or if you want to dig a little bit deeper and you actually want to go through this uh, full brochure, then go to the website and look at the header up top. And it says Israel Tour 2024. And not only can you view the entire brochure online, but you can also click or scan with your smartphone or any smart device the uh, code. Uh, and you could just uh, uh, scan that right there, and boy, you've got the whole thing on your phone or your computer. Praise the Lord, okay? So get signed up, get registered, because it is going to be a fantastic tour in 2024. Praise the Lord. Now, let me pop up a little flyer. We're going to be in London, England, ministering September 22 through 24, and that's just a few weeks away. So if you are in the U.K., I would encourage you to come out to these meetings. I, I, I believe God is going to be doing some very special things. I will be teaching and also ministering. Praise God as the Holy Spirit moves. Okay, so jump into those meetings. That information is on the screen right now. Now, let's also remember we're getting very close now to the Feast of Tabernacles. That is October the 1st. That's a Sunday. And on that day, we're going to bring in a special offering to the Lord. The giving will go towards paying off the remaining balance on the Field of Dreams. That's where we will build our new television studio at. Okay, so we own the land, but we want to pay it off completely, pay off the remaining balance. So I want you to sow your best seed. I want you to get it in either on Sunday, October the 1st, 2023, or, you know, just before. So save and sow according to the grace that God has given you. And I want to encourage you to do something special because there is a miracle anointing upon the harvest that's going to come. There is an anointing upon the seed that you will sow. And I am believing God that you're going to see a miracle in your life concerning the harvest that he has for you. And I'm very excited about what God's going to be doing for you. So get that uh, Feast of Tabernacles offering in either on or just before October the 1st, Sunday. 2023. Woo! Praise God. And thank you so much for preparing your giving and for doing something very special. You know, the kingdom of God moves forward on sacrifice. So thank you for your sacrificial offering. Praise God. Now today, I want to talk about something very sneaky that the devil does. And when we have insight into these tactics of the enemy, in other words, we, when we can pull the curtain back, You'll understand a lot better what's going on, and that will strengthen you from a position of being in charge and you making the call. Praise the Lord. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 18. We're going to start in verse 5, and let's pray. Father, as we go into your word, we thank you that this message today is very important. And for many, it will be a rescue in a sense of even things that the enemy would have strategized uh, for these uh, attacks. But your people are going to know what's going on because we walk in the light. Now, Father, help us to catch this and understand it. And let this word today be sown as the seed into our hearts, producing the hundredfold return of righteousness, peace, and joy 
and walking above all of these things that the enemy tries to do down here. Now, we thank you for the victory in Jesus' name. And together, we say amen. Matthew chapter 18, verse 5. Whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. Now, of course, we know that this is Jesus' teaching. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Woe to the world because of offenses. Now, something very interesting is taking place. Verse 7, Jesus uses the same word three times. Now, I'm going to come back to this in just a moment. Woe to the world because of offenses. For offenses must come, but woe to that man by whom the offense comes. If your hand or foot causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. It is better for you to enter into life lame or maimed rather than having two hands or two feet to be cast into the everlasting fire. By the way, hell is everlasting. There is an eternal place of punishment and endless, indescribable torture, agony, and pain. And that is because God is a just God. So we see that there is everlasting fire. Verse 9, And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. It is better for you to enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire. Let me talk just for a moment before I loop back to verse 7 about what Jesus is saying here about the cutting off of the hand and even the plucking out of the eye. You have to understand that when Jesus was teaching, and uh, I believe that Jesus was very fluent in three languages. Of course, he would know Hebrew because he is a Jew, and Aramaic was also widely spoken at that time. And we know that uh, we do have certain statements that Jesus made in Aramaic. So there would be Hebrew and there would be Aramaic. But I'm convinced, and so are quite a few theologians, that Jesus not only spoke Greek and was fluent in Greek, but probably even taught sometimes in the Greek language because that whole area that we know as Israel at that time was under the control of Rome. And Rome was, uh, you know, the Romans were just enraptured with the Greek culture and they had conquered the Greeks, but they loved all of the uh, ideologies of the Greeks and all of their gods and all of the paganism. They loved all of that stuff. And many parts of their culture, they incorporated it. And thus, over the areas that Rome conquered would come the Greek language. And since that whole region of the world pretty much was under that umbrella of conquest of Rome, then the Greek language was very, very widespread. And so we see here what is known in the Greek as a hyperbole. Now, what is a hyperbole? And that's a, that's an, like if you study the English grammar, that's a word that you use uh, to describe uh, something. Let me explain what it is. In the Greek, uh, this is actually two words, hyper and bole. And so hyper means excessive. It means to go way beyond. Bole means to throw, just like you would take a, like a, a ball and you would throw it as far as you can. You put them both together, hyperbole or hyperbably, and you have a a word or a sentence that is being on purpose exaggerated to make a point. So Jesus is not saying literally, if your hand is causing you to sin, go cut it off. He is making a hyperbole. He is making a statement on purpose that is extremely exaggerated. He doesn't actually literally want you to pluck your eye out if your eye is causing you to sin. Again, another hyperbole. What he's trying to do is get across the, with the point that you need to be very, very serious about dealing with sin. Uh, he's not saying chop your hand off and cut, uh, 
cut and pluck your eye out. But he is saying you really need to get serious about sin because there is eternal judgment. And those that don't gain heaven, they go to a devil's hell. And yes, it is burning hot. Mm-mm. Now, let's go back now to verse 7. Woe to the world because of offenses. Again, the word offenses or offense is used three times. And what is going on here is, again, the pulling of a Greek meaning. The New Testament is written in what is called Koine Greek. That would be the common everyday language that people would speak when they would speak in Greek. So here we see the word offenses. So in the Greek, that is the word scandalon. Mm, scandalon. Woe to the world because of scandalons. For scandalons must come, but woe to that man by whom the scandalon comes. Woo, Pastor Stephen, what in the world is a scandalon? I'm so glad that you're thinking about that. Um, scandalon is a trap that lures you to sin in order to ruin you or preferably kill you. That, that is the devil's highest intention is not only just to stop you, but to actually take you out completely. So a scandalon is a trap or an obstacle that is set there on purpose to lure you to sin in order to ruin you or to even kill you. Now, scandalon was the trigger on a trap on which bait was placed. When an animal touches the trigger to eat the bait, the trap springs shut and the animal is caught. He thought that he was going to get a little meal and instead he's either going to get eaten or perhaps be used for something else. Um, The word scandalon probably does sound a little bit familiar because in our English language, it's where we get the word scandal from. The word scandal comes from scandalon. And a scandalon trap is set on purpose to create a scandal, Mm -mm. to create a failure, to create a mess. Let me put a picture up uh, just for a moment of what a scandalon trap can actually look like. And as you're looking at this, I want you to be thinking, this is what the devil is trying to do to you. You see here uh, this little animal, and he's looking at uh, there's some bait that is on a stick, and that stick runs out to that little trigger. It's a very ingenious device. And so when the animal touches the trigger to eat the bait, it releases that little trigger mechanism, and the trap springs shut, and the animal is caught, or in this case, crushed or stuck, and he can't get out. (laughs) And uh, I've seen even more severe-looking scandalon traps. I've seen bait that has been placed over a dugout pit and the animal doesn't know there's a pit. And so there's bait and it's placed over maybe a few flimsy uh, pieces of reed or something like that, something that would give because it can't support the animal's weight. The bait's placed on top of that. And remember the bait is always going to be delicious. It's going to be uh, ideally set for the type of animal that they're trying to capture. And it's set on top of this, but down in the pit, there's actually stakes that are pointed up that are razor sharp. They've been cut and polished. And if you're trying to catch a wild boar or something that could potentially hurt you, you want the animal to be killed. And so it's going to go for the bait and it will collapse and it'll fall on the spears and it will die And then you could take that animal and cook it or eat it or whatever you're planning on doing with it. But uh, the scandalon was the trigger. It's the trap on which the bait was placed. Now, again, this is something that the devil does on a regular basis to try to catch God's people in uh, certain mischievous sins. And let me give you an example of how the enemy works. Let's use a, like a modern day example. Uh, Let's talk about, just for a moment, the underground Chinese church. And over the years, my wife and I have been privileged through the means of the internet to do a lot of teaching into the underground church, usually in very closed 
encrypted meeting so that we know who's there and uh, who's not supposed to be there. Uh, we would close it down immediately. But in these teachings, the, the truths of God's Word are being disseminated to teachers and pastors and preachers who then take it and uh, begin to disseminate it to their sheep, to the uh, churches that they oversee underground. Uh, you, ha- you do have the, the National uh, Christian Chinese Church, the, the um, what's it called, like the Three Self-Patriotic Church or something like that, but that's the state-sponsored church. So you can't really uh, preach the gospel the way you want to because it's government-controlled. So all of the what we would call authentic churches they're all underground, not literally underground, although sometimes they can be in hiding, but I'm talking about the secret Chinese church. So let's go back before the year 2000, and uh, there was a lot of persecution. And of course, there still is today in China. Remember, it's a communist country. So much of the church has to be operated underground. And there was tremendous persecution if you were caught with the Bible, or if you were caught in one of these underground churches, you literally disappear. And you're either put to death, or you're sent off to some prison camp, and uh, all kinds of bad things come out of that. But what the Chinese church noticed, or excuse me, the Chinese government noticed, is that despite all of the persecution, and all of their efforts to shut down the underground church, they were actually failing. And the truth is, is that the Chinese church alone probably has over 100 million uh, active believers. So they begin to change their tactics as they were influenced by the great dragon, that would be Satan. And what happened is that for some of these uh, top Chinese pastors, and there's, there's five of them that were world famous and there's 10 of them that, you know, are all on the most wanted list by the government. Well, the enemy uh, realized, let's try a different tactic. Uh, persecution is not stopping them. Let's pull back a little bit and let's offer them perhaps what they want. And let's see if they'll take the bait. And so for what had been tremendous persecution, there was a slight pullback and uh, In that pullback, the enemy would come and make offers. And some of the leaders actually took the bait. And for some, they they never recovered. And it was quite shocking to the underground church because they thought, oh, it can't be true. The, you know, one of the top five, he, he, he didn't do that. And they found that, uh, actually he did. And so he took the bait and, you know, I, I was privileged to know one of these great leaders, top 10 most wanted list for having established, uh, established many churches. As a matter of fact, he started over 3,000 underground churches in China. So he was on the hit list, and they wanted him out. And, you know, they put a lot of pressure on him, and uh, he never uh, got caught. He never yielded. But there was a time when, again, things changed And the enemy realized this is not working. And the enemy tried a different tactic that was really soft, like a soft tactic. And it really caught him. And uh, after that, it's like he just kind of like faded off of the scene. I never heard from him again, even when I tried to contact him, because he took uh, an easy out. So you have to be aware that the enemy is very smart. He's been doing this for many, many years. Uh, hundreds and even thousands of years going back to the creation of the earth and the creation of man right about 6,000 years ago. By the way, the Hebrew calendar is very accurate, but you need to add 200 years to it. And by the way, you'll notice if you add 200 years to it, we're almost up to 6,000. Yes, we're getting very, very close to the end because when the lease on the earth that God gave to man to be on the earth. Uh, That was a 6,000 year lease. And God told Adam that the number of his days would be 120 years. Those are 120 years in light of Jubilee years. And so if you multiply that out times 50, which is the Jubilee, you're right at 6,000 years. So the devil knows 
his time is very, very short. This whole thing is almost up. <laughs> so he's going wild with all kinds of uh, uh, stuff that he's doing through national leaders and uh, many things to distract the minds of God's people and to offer many types of scandal on temptations. But you know, when you realize the tactics, then you know how he works. And I want to talk about how easy it actually is from a spiritual perspective to see through these traps. Mm -mm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You know, there are in some cars, not many, what's called a heads-up display. Usually it's an upgrade. Maybe it's an extra $1,000. And you have, a, you have a, like a green uh, display on your windshield in front of you that tells you your speedometer. So you don't have to look down. You can just keep looking out the windshield and you see the speedometer and maybe some other information that's put up on the screen. That's, uh, that's all very mild compared to the aviation world. Uh, jet fighter pilots, they, uh, when they fly, let's say it's an F-35 or F-22 or even the older F-16s, it's called HUD, Heads Up Display. But it's displaying all kinds of information. That sometimes can be a problem. It's almost like an overload of information. But it, it, it is very, very important that they can get that up on the screen so that the pilot doesn't have to look down and ch start checking, you know, dials and start looking at the LCD screen, you know, his uh, flight system. No, he wants it right in front of him so he can almost, in a sense, look through it. So it's heads up display. You can even get that in many uh, private jets. It's about like a million dollar upgrade where they have the, the HUDs, the heads up display. And so again, the pilots don't have to look down. Everything's right in front of them. But this is amazing. With the Holy Spirit, there is a heads up display that comes online if you walk close with the Lord. It's literally like a sixth sense. And the Holy Spirit will allow you to see, hey, this is a trap. This is absolutely a 100% trap. Get away from it. Mm -mm. And it can be so clear through the revelation of the Holy Spirit that you almost like laugh at it because it's so stupid. Now, let me say this about the devil. While he is very cunning and he is a great strategist, he is a flesh devil. Now, let me explain that. When I say that he is a flesh devil, that does not mean that he has a flesh and blood and bone body like we do. He does not. He is a spirit being. He is a spirit entity. He is an outlaw rebel spirit. But what he does as a spirit when he tries to attempt or lay a scandal on for humans, particularly for Christians, is that the bait is always of a flesh nature. And so because he is spiritually dead, although he is a spirit, what he will do is he will work with bait that is all designed around flesh. Why? He cannot get, as we would say, into the Holy Spirit. He can't. He is spiritually dead. By the way, don't ever bother praying for the devil. <laughs> he is a hopeless case he is gone. He already knows he's headed to the lake of fire. So keep your eyes on Jesus and keep walking with the Lord. So when I say he's a flesh devil, his weaponry is to try to give bait that would attract the flesh nature. That's why if you're walking in the spirit, this stuff that he does, this bait, these traps, they can actually be like, uh, while they are, in a sense, obstacles, and it carries that meaning of an obstacle, something that you could trip over, at the same time, this is like almost like tripping over a Mack truck. <laughs> if you're walking with the Lord, you'll see it. Now, if you're not, yeah, this could be like something that's so sugar-coated and uh, that you might even think this is of God. But that, you'd have to be really, really dense spiritually. You would, you would have to like have not been in the Word, maybe misplaced your Bible six months ago. You're not reading your Bible. You're not praying. You're not walking with God. You haven't fasted in probably years, if ever. And so the, the enemy can present something that is a trap. 
and you could think, oh, well, uh, see, this is what he can do. The trap can either be something that appeals to your flesh that you know is wrong, but it looks so appealing that you go for it anyhow, or the bait can be disguised in a way where you might even think, oh, this could be my blessing. Watch out. Some of the greatest prayers that are that God hears and responds to are the ones that he doesn't answer because there's a lot of people play, uh, praying things and asking God for things that are based out of total, uh, I would call it like total fleshly desires. And God doesn't answer them out of his love and mercy. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. But if you've ever gone fishing, uh, yes, you can use a certain type of bait and fish will react to that bait. But some fish also react really strongly to smell. And there, there's bait that's scented. And the moment that scent begins to go through the water the, and the sensors of the fish pick that up, he's gonna, he loves the smell and he certainly loves what he sees. And that is a very, very potentially strong bait. But for the believer, you can see through these types of things and they, they can be very cleverly disguised. But then again, it's going to be in the flesh. It's going to be in the natural. Let me give you an example of like a, a more advanced scandal on. I was ministering one time and I was praying for the sick and people that are sick and have diseases are being placed before me by the ushers. And there was a tremendous healing anointing in this meeting and God was doing some very notable miracles. Well, when the anointing was very, very strong, there was a sick person that was put right in front of me. And I was told that he wants prayer. And when I turned around to, to look at him so I could pray for him, there was something really weird. I looked at him and he didn't have any eyeballs in his eye sockets. There was nothing there except two, it looked like electrical diodes. Uh, they actually looked like the little bitty lights that you string along during Christmas season, and maybe you put them on your Christmas tree, or you put them outside, and they're little bitty lights, and they might even blink on and off. This guy, believe it or not, had two of those, one in each eye, and they were flashing on and off red color, red. And I, I saw that, and he had like a real mischievous, evil, like, smile, real greasy smile on his face or like a devilish smile on his face. And I, I, I looked at those eyes just for, for a moment and the Holy Spirit said, stop looking at him. Don't look at his eyes. It'll pull you out of the spirit. That person was actually sent by the devil to stop the mighty anointing that God was moving uh, uh, through me that night by his grace for all of the healings that were taking place. And if I would have gone uh, out of the spirit back to normal, then the great things that God was still doing would not have taken place. There was a young girl in that meeting that was deaf and uh, she was also a mute. She had never spoken before and she could not hear. And in that one service, she could, uh, she was healed and she could hear and speak for the first time. And she could speak fluent English and it was just absolutely amazing what God did, all, all the miracles in that meeting. But you have to watch the bait, the scandal on. Maybe it's something that you like, I want to understand that. I want to look into that. But if you do, it'll kill the anointing. Mm -hmm. I was ministering at a hotel one time. It was a nice hotel. And there was like what you would call like a pulpit, like a podium type pulpit and it, it wasn't that great, but it worked. It had like a stationary microphone. This was like almost, uh, almost 20 years ago. Um, so, you know, I had to speak through that microphone so I couldn't move around because that was the only microphone I had because that's all the hotel had to offer. So uh, just before uh, the service started, 
the microphone, it's like it started falling apart. It was like real cheap and it, it like fell over actually. It was like laying there on the wooden uh, pulpit area. And so I just kind of picked it up and I tried to mess with it for a moment and I just I was just like, forget it. I don't even care if it works because it's it's distracting me. And so if it doesn't work, I'll I'll speak without one. Well, I started to walk away from the pulpit and a, a man noticed that the microphone had fallen over and he said, oh, he said, brother Stephen, we need to fix this. I said, no, I don't want to do it. And he, he started trying to uh, dangle around and mess around with the microphone. He said, he said, if we work on it together, we can fix it. I said, no. He said, let's do it together. I said, no. And I walked away. He was yielding to a spirit of jealousy. And he knew that if I got involved, he knew it. I, the discerning of the Spirit was operating in me that allows you to discern the motives and intents of people's hearts. And I could see that he knew exactly what he was doing. He was a Spirit-filled believer, but he was very jealous and very envious of my ministry. And he was trying to pull me out of the Spirit and get me to where I'm just like my normal Stephen Brooks. Because if I'm not in the Spirit, I can't minister. I can't, I can't get, I can't operate in, in the gifts that God has given me. And he was doing that on purpose. And I was very firm and he knew I was on to what he was doing. You have to watch out for the scandalon traps that the enemy could try to set for you sometimes, even through people. Now watch anytime there's an anointing, these things pop up. And those of you that are ministers, you need to know this and don't let these traps to maybe want to suddenly get intellectual or suddenly try to figure something out. That's, that is all in the soulish realm. You have got to stay in the Holy Spirit. And the stronger that anointing gets, and the greater the things that God wants to do, I promise you, there will be scandalon traps set through either naive people, or sometimes even Christians that don't want to see you succeed, even uh, should it mean that others don't get their miracles. Remember, God told the prophet, when you go, don't let anybody stop you along the way. You are on assignment. Don't talk to anybody. Don't greet anybody. Why? They'll pull you out of the spirit. They will pull you out of that anointing. And if that comes off of you, you can't prophesy. If that comes off of you, you cannot move in the, you cannot move in the gifts of the spirit. Praise the Lord. Watch out. Watch out for these things. They're very, very real. Mm -mm. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. When a man or woman of God is going into a meeting to minister, you have to understand they're carrying something. Just as literally as you and I can pick up buckets that are full of water and carry them and try not to spill it, you can't see it in the natural. <coughs> Excuse me. But a man or woman of God under anointing is carrying something into that meeting. It is the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And the last thing that you want to do is start talking with them about the weather, start talking with them about news or this or that. No, keep them in the, in the anointing and protect them and shield them. Praise God. Somebody's miracle is depending on it. The success of the overall success of the meeting is depending on it. So the bait still though, the scandal on the trap is still though of the nature of the flesh. Be careful because when certain tactics of the enemy don't work, he'll shift it and he'll try, he'll try other tactics. You know, there was a preacher years back and, uh, I've never met him. I know who he is. And he was believing God for his own jet for his ministry travels. And of course, when you're believing for something like that, you have to stay on it with your faith, which is what I'm doing. Believing God for my Falcon 50 EX jet, praise the Lord, still standing on it, believing it every day. And it's going to come to pass. Well, this minister was believing God for a jet. And one day, a businessman said to him, are you believing God for a jet? He said, yes, I sure am. And this man said, God told me uh, to give you the jet that I have. And so this man, uh, uh, this businessman had bought a jet through very unscrupulous means. And he had many 
this this businessman had many dealings of uh, that were in the gray area, and he was doing he was doing things that were uh, illegal. Well, uh, this minister though was so excited about receiving a jet, he thought that's my blessing. He said yes. He said I, I'd love to receive the jet. So this businessman gives the minister the jet, and then guess who shows up? The FBI. Mm -mm. Now we thank God for the FBI and CIA and the other three-letter agencies, but uh, we speak blessings over them and pray over them, but preferably you don't really want to run into them. It's a little bit like what Ronald Reagan said one time. He said, uh, when the government knocks on your door and says, we're here to help, <laughs> uh, something's probably wrong. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Well, the FBI showed up and um, basically, you know, filed charges against him like uh, uh, because of his association with this man. And of course, the minister said, I didn't know that, you know, like uh, illegal funds were used to purchase the plane. I didn't know. Well, you know, the prosecuting agency didn't buy that, and they sent him to prison. They got a conviction, sent him to prison. I think it was for about two years. What was it? It was a scandalon. It was a trap set up to that greasy, sleazeball businessman, so-called spirit-filled businessman, who was nothing but bait of the enemy. Watch out for what's shoved in front of you. Praise the Lord. Walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit so that you can see through these things. Let me jump over to Proverbs chapter 1, because I don't want you to be fearful, but I do want you to be aware that the enemy, he uses different tactics, and one of those is the scandalon bait tactic. So for it, you could have years and years of where the enemy just, he, he, he persecutes you and he makes things hard for you and you have to pray and you have to push to get through. And then the enemy suddenly says, you know, it's not working. They're increasing. They're blessed. They're anointed. Let's try another, another tactic. Let's actually give them what they want. The secret desire they have that's forbidden in God's word, but maybe they've toyed with it in their heart, and maybe they've never faced it before where it's presented in a way where maybe they think, well, we could maybe work it in. Well, watch out for those types of things because they're very, very real. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 17. Surely in vain the net is spread in the sight of any bird. I want to read this to you from a couple of other different translations that are uh, very descriptive of this. The NIV, the NIV says, how useless to spread a net where every bird can see it. L listen, the Holy Spirit is going to give you such a heads up display that it's like you're the bird and you can see the trapper over there setting the trap. You can see the whole net and the Holy Spirit shows it to you and you'll be like, nope, it ain't happening with me. Now, maybe somebody else, maybe some other Christian who's not praying and not walking with God like they should, maybe they can blindly walk into it. But when you're walking close with God, the Holy Spirit will talk to you and he'll say, watch out. That is pure scandal on right there. Mm -mm. The New Living Translation. If a bird sees a trap being set, it knows to stay away. English Standard Version, for in vain is a net spread in the sight of any bird. Berean Standard Bible, how futile it is to spread the net where any bird can see it. Well, as clever as the devil thinks he is, he again is still a flesh devil. Yes, he is a spirit, but he, he works through the flesh engagement. So when you are walking above that, when you are walking in the spirit, then you can see right through these things and they're blaringly, glaringly obvious and you're never going to get caught. Mm -mm, praise the Lord. Galatians chapter 5. Let's go down to verse 16. I say then walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walk in the spirit and you'll never take the scandal on bait. Mm -mm. You'll either just go around it or you'll fly over it 
or you'll just avoid it completely. But listen, when the HUD display, the heads up display of the spirit is moving and working in you and you get that quickening, don't answer that phone call. You, you know, who's calling. Well, maybe no, no, no. You know, who's calling when you're getting that quickening. Don't answer the phone call. Well, let, look, let them leave a message. Well, the, they didn't leave a message. Well, then it's not, it must not be very important then, right? Mm -mm. When you're getting that heads up display, uh, don't go into that room. Well, well, Pastor Stephen, God understands I left something in there. No, 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 no. You're getting that witness of the spirit. Don't go in the room. It's a setup. Mm. And it's on you if you do it after you had the HUD heads up display. You're, you're like, something's not right. Yeah, you, you better believe something's not right. There's a scandal. This is a scandal on set up from the enemy. Oh, Pastor Stephen, they want to do a TV interview of me. They want to interview me on the news. Oh, you think they want to make you look pretty on the news, huh? And maybe it could be sincere, but 99% of the time it's not. They want to ensnare you. They want to entrap you. What happened to the wonderful minister, Billy Graham, years back? He's in heaven now, of course. What happened decades ago? When Billy Graham, out of the kindness of his heart, invites all of the news reporters who were craving to do an interview with him, and he says, well, I'm going to invite all of you over to my home. And he was sincere, but he was naive. He actually thought that he could answer their questions. And if he was sincere and honest and they saw his genuineness and they saw his heart for missions and the love of souls, that they would, that they would be able to hear that and then write about that in a fair and uh, unbiased way. Oh, he happened to mention that he had a dream to start a Bible training center, and that he had saved over the years of all of his ministry travels, he had saved $25 million so that he could establish this ministry training center to teach people evangelism. What a wonderful thing. He just bared his heart with all of these secular news reporters because they all said, if you just let us interview you, we'll give you an honest, unbiased report, and we will write what you say and you know, it will be a great way for you to reach the multitudes even further. And he invited them all to his home and thought everything went really, really well. Thought they had a wonderful, wonderful time. And the next morning, headline on one of the major newspapers, Billy Graham has secret stash of $25 million cash. <gasps> And people all over America read that and thought, oh, he's got he stashed $25 million. What is he going to do with it? What is it? And it just, it was like a wildfire of false information taken out of context and tweaked in a very biased, um, crooked way. And he realized, you know what? You just can't work with these type of people because they're going to twist it. They're, they're like a snake, crooked and twist it. Remember that. Remember that. Now, the Holy Spirit will help you to avoid things like that. Again, uh, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 17, that if that trapper is putting the net out and the bird's just watching him do it, you know what? It's not going to work. And the Holy Spirit will give you that gut witness. Be careful. This is absolute uh, scandal on. Yes, does it look tasty? It has to. Nobody's going to go for the bait if the bait's not attractive. And I'll tell you what, the devil's a flesh devil. He can, he can load it up with the most attractive bait that you could desire. Watch out. It is designed to catch you, to ruin your character, and to preferably even destroy your life. Mm -hmm. And Jesus said offenses must come. The world, the fallen world system, and all of its offenses or scandalons, intentional stumbling blocks to take you out. If you walk in the Spirit, it's really not that hard to stay above it. All right, now look at this Matthew chapter 28. Then I want to pray for you. 
Mm -mm. Matthew 28, verse 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Where did he get it? Well, originally God gave it to Adam, and Adam had it. But then Adam sinned, and all of the authority that he had as a man, he turned it over through his sin to Satan. And then Satan had it, and he ruled with a horrible uh, vengeance upon mankind and just made everything awful and made everything as hard as he could for men and women all over the world. But so we had Adam, the original man, walking in the authority, but committed high treason, turned all of that authority over to the devil. The devil was the one with the authority, which is why he told Jesus, hey, if you bow down to me uh, and worship me, I will allow you to rule and reign over all of these things because the authority has been given to me. How? Through Adam, through Adam's high treason. And he said, I can do with it whatever I want. Now, some theologians say, oh, that was a fake temptation. Although, no, no. If it's not real, it's not a temptation. And the whole thing's a fraud. And the whole gospel then would be a lie. Okay, it was a very real temptation. He had the authority, but notice he doesn't anymore. Jesus, through his death, burial, and resurrection, stripped all of the authority away from Satan. He took the keys of death and hell. He took all of the authority away from Satan, and Satan no longer has any authority over any believer. Mm -mm. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Well, Pastor Stephen, that looks like, it looks like Jesus is the one with all the authority. Yes. And he turns right around and he delegates that authority to the church. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the Holy spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age Amen. Praise the Lord. So the church has delegated authority and Jesus is the head of the church. So my friends, when you're walking in the spirit, you are walking above these things of the flesh. Praise God. And you see through it. You see through it. The devil may think it's sneaky. You may cover it up with leaves and, you know, it may be a pit that you could potentially fall into or maybe a, a disguised obstacle that you could maybe trip over. But again, these are all things in the flesh. If you walk in the spirit, you'll see it just as clear as day. It is a spiritual trap, but it has natural bait attached to it. Mm -mm. That, my friends, is how he works. And the scandal on trap has been very successful over the centuries, over the millennia, but it doesn't work against those who are walking close with God, who knows these tactics of the enemy and can see it and say, no, no, no. I know exactly what that is. Not going for it. Not looking at that. Hey, Pastor Stephen, you want to hear a joke? No, I don't think I do. Oh no, this one's really funny. Is it clean? Well, yeah, kind of. No, 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 no. I really want to tell it. No, no, no. I don't want to hear it. You need to hear it. No. Walk off. And I've done it many times. I've walked off from people that wanted to tell me. They were just about bursting to tell me their dirty joke. Not real, real dirty, but definitely loaded with innuendos to take you down the rabbit trail. No, I don't want to hear about it and be thinking still about it four hours later. I don't want to hear it at all. My ears... And in yours are not trash cans for people to dump their garbage into. Yes, we do have selective hearing. And your eyes can be selective also. Be careful. Be very careful in these areas of bait, of scandalon. What you hear, what you see, uh, we are responsible for what we allow in. Mm -mm. Praise the Lord. Glory. Glory to God. By the way, when you shut it off, when you shut it off, the strength of it begins to die. The strength of the flesh begins to die. You have a real strong horse, and he's um, uh, kind of, how can we say, very lustful. How do, you, how do you calm that horse down? 
And you cut his feed in half. You cut his intake of food in half. And suddenly he's a lot more mild and a lot more relaxed. And some of you, you haven't fasted. You haven't done any fasting. The whole year, you haven't even fasted one day. And the scandalon looks so delicious, you almost just about can't say no. And some of you haven't said no to many of the scandalons that have uh, presented themselves to you. And so then you get entangled in all of this junk. Mm-mm. But be determined today that you're going to rise up and walk close with God and walk in victory because victory is what God has intended for you. And by the way, some fasting is good mixed with prayer. It begins to uh, empower you to lose an interest in the things of this world. Ooh, glory to God. You know, God's reforming the church right now. Why? Because when Jesus comes back, he's coming back for a bride. That's the, that's the global body of Christ that is without spot or wrinkle. And I know for a fact that he can't come back at this exact moment because the church is just flat out not ready. Flat out not ready. Too many blotches on the robe. Too much... Uh, too much partaking of the delightful little scandalons that are presenting themselves. So the Lord right now is working on waking up the church, even I would say reforming the church back to big biblical standards. You know, one of my heroes of the faith is St. Teresa of Avila. She was a nun that lived back in the 1500s. And the Lord Jesus appeared to her in a vision and explained to her that he wanted her to begin to reform the, the convents and the, the, uh, the, uh, how could I say the branch that she belonged to within the Catholic church, because the con what had happened is that the convents, which is where the nuns lived, they had become very, very wealthy. And it was not unusual even in the 1500s to have Kings or Queens or high ranking political figures drop by the convents and just have conversations with the nuns. Many of them had even gotten so low that they even had social parlors in the convents and the nuns would come out and uh, they would talk with, you know, uh, dignity and they would talk with wealthy people in town that would drop by. And it had just become a, a place of hobnobbing, socializing with the high life and stuff like that. And a lot of money was flowing into the convents. And Jesus told uh, Teresa of Avila, Avila, Spain, I want you to begin to reform the convents because they had completely gotten away from a close walk with God. I mean, the, 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 the convents were not even cloistered. The nuns would sometimes go out at night, just walk around town and stuff like that, go shopping all the time. I mean, it was like totally out of control. And so Teresa said, okay, Lord, with your help, I'll begin to do it. And so she had determined in her heart to do it. And she had also gained the favor of a very high-ranking archbishop who came to uh, Spain. Now, they all knew that it was ultra, ultra rare for anybody from Rome in the Catholic Church leadership to ever come to Spain. So right after she had this vision, there was a very high-ranking bishop that came uh, to where she, to the very convent that she stayed in, and she was able to share the vision with him. And he said, I give you full permission, not only to reform the convents, but I also give you authority to raise up new convents, start them all over the place. And she did. Now, that very day when she was authorized by the Lord, she goes to one of those uh, to the convent that she was in, she goes and there's the big social room and she goes to the big social room and uh, she's uh, standing there in a very handsome, uh, scandal on oops, a very handsome young man walks in, watch out. Amen. And he walks in, he's very wealthy and he sees, uh, Teresa there and he says, Oh, and he looks down at her feet cause she has a robe on. He looks down at her feet. And he goes, Oh, you have really beautiful feet. And she said, I hope you like them because this is the last time you'll ever see them. Woo! And she closed down the social hall that day. <laughs> and she began closing them down all throughout the convents of Spain. And the ones that were very, had become very liberal and liked the flesh. 
They really opposed her and resisted her, but they couldn't stop her. She had permission from the archbishop. <laughs> and she began to reform the monasteries, the, the convents, not just the uh, women's uh, convents, but the men's monasteries. And, and God began to move. And they got back to what we would call spirituality, where when you, go, when you want to go to a place to meet a holy man or woman, yes, they're there, and we're no longer having a clown show. Praise the Lord. Some of you have been participating too much in the clown show. Your hero is the playboy preacher who's trying to show off his muscles to you, and he doesn't have any anointing. That's why you never see any miracles in churches like that. Are you hearing me? I'm not judging them in the sense where they are not saved. I know they're saved and love Jesus, but that's why there's no miracles to happening place there because there's too much flesh. Praise God. Amen. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. There is a reformation going on right now in the body of Christ. God's not really that concerned about who's in the White House. Matter of fact, he's not concerned at all. He's going to get his church reformed and purified uh, no matter who's in the White House. Praise the Lord. Amen. That's where the focus needs to be. Judgment begins in the house of God. Praise the Lord. And when I'm talking about reformation in the church, I'm talking about getting back to the standard of purity and holiness. You have to understand the age in which we live. Let me show you how wild it is because it's very, very deceptive of what the enemy is doing. Okay, let me put a picture on the screen up. This is from the 1880s, late 1880s. This is a picture of men and women at the beach. Take a look at that. What do you think about that? These are all unsaved people at the beach, by the way, in the late 1800s. That's the way people dressed when they went to the beach. Well, Pastor Stephen, now let's contrast it. Put a picture up today of the, a modern beach, maybe Miami or uh, maybe it's, uh, Rio de Janeiro. Put a picture up of all the people at the beach today. I can't. And you know why? Because almost everybody there is standing there almost completely nude and naked. Can you see the change within a hundred years? I'm telling you, we are in the last days. And that spirit of impurity has gotten into the church where people come in the church with hardly any clothes on, low-cut dresses, uh, high-cut, uh, and it's just, it is a spirit of sensuality, and it's loaded with bait, it's loaded with scandal on, and it's just bogging down a lot of men and women. Some of you uh, that are watching me, you need to have the smart spiritually to say, that person ain't, ain't nothing but bait. That person, I, I, I love them in Jesus' name, but they are 100% scandal on, and I ain't going for it. And no, I don't want to go out and have a meal, because I know what you're up to. <laughs> you single people need to wise up. Amen. Glory to God. Purity is something that the Holy Spirit is really emphasizing. You need to be very careful what you let in. Remember, if you cut off things that are impure, um, you'll begin to get your life in order with God. You cannot judge the way that you're supposed to live based on what everybody else is doing. Mm -mm. Some of you almost need to develop, I'd call it a monastery mindset. You need to let your mind be like a monastery where uh, there are a lot of things that are just not allowed in. Mm, that this is a holy place. Does it not say in Scripture, let this mind be in you which was in Christ? You need to have that same type of a mind where not everything's allowed in. And then you'll be shocked at how peaceful your life can be and how easy it is to fly above these things. Instead of looking at the bait thinking, that's irresistible, surely God understands, and God is merciful, and then you dive into it. No, no. Look, the message of grace is a very, very beautiful message, and if there is sin, there is grace for it. But if you want to get into the good stuff with God, you have to get into purity and you have to stop taking the bait of the enemy because he's trying to rob your destiny. Mm -mm. Praise God. But you are the bird that can see the net laid up wide, wide open. Praise God. And God has given you grace and strength to come on up higher. Come on up higher. The end time church 
will be a church without spot or wrinkle. Does it mean we're perfect? Well, the word perfect, honestly, in the New Testament refers with a heavy emphasis upon maturity. It means you are mature and you're walking with the Lord and you're able to discern between good and evil. Praise God. What a lot of people call legalism, yes, there can be legalism. And that's, that's something that's very deadening. But a lot of people, what they describe as legalism can actually be holiness, but they're using it as, as an excuse not to live right and please the Lord. Mm-mm. Closing note. Many of the things that your father or mother never conquered were they continually in their life, although maybe it wasn't known, but they did take the scandal on and never conquered it. Those things will face you and the enemy will present them to you as well. And it's amazing. You need to be the one in your generation that says it ends here. Praise God. I'm not grabbing the bait anymore so that my children and my grandchildren know a different story. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for those that are watching right now. There are some that within the next two or three days will have the scandal on presented right in front of them. But I thank you. They'll know exactly what it is. They'll even laugh and say, that's pure scandal on. That is an absolute trap set for me. Lord, I thank you that they won't touch it. They won't even, they won't even engage it. They'll just walk away from it, go a different direction, go around it and continue on their way. I thank you, Father, this is the day when the saints are getting sharp and smart. Thank you, Father. No more mustard stains and ketchup stains squirted all over their robe of righteousness. Oh, God, we give you praise and glory. Thank you, Father God, the eagle saints are rising. We thank you that you are beautifying the end-time church. Beautify your people. Lift them up. Lift them up. Thank you, Father God, that your spirit is with them. I thank you for the heads-up display. Woo! Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's in full operation. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Woo! Praise God. I do have a mandate from the Lord in this area to help people get out of the dirt. What does it mean when somebody says, that person has a dirty mind? Well, you know what it means. It means that they're, they talk about things that are dirty or look at things or discuss things that are dirty. What, it, what When we think dirt, we think literally like rolling in the dirt. So you can have a clean mind washed with the word. So it's not a dirty mind. It's a clean mind. Praise God. The battle is right up here. The battle is for focus. Where is your focus? If the enemy is putting leverage against you, then get up and go change your position. Maybe go walk around and get your mind on your destiny, on your calling, on the good things that God is doing for you. Praise the Lord. And just turn your back on the scandal on. Praise the Lord. God is moving right now. God is moving right now. Praise the Lord. If you're watching me and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, give your heart to him right now. He'll wash all of your sins away. He'll make you ready for heaven. His life will come into you. And if you used to be a Christian, but maybe you took the bait and then you fell on the spears and you got really wounded and you're in the enemy's camp, come out right now. The blood of Jesus can wash it away. The grace of Jesus can give you a fresh start. Let us all pray together. Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Jesus, I realize that sin is not funny. It's a killer. Jesus, I give my life to you. Wash my sin away. Give me your new life, your eternal life. And Jesus, write my name in your book of life. Save me right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you so much for saving me. Step into my life and lead me and guide me from this day forward. In your name I pray. Amen and amen. Glory, glory, glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
I'm telling you that Jesus crushed the devil. Jesus defeated the devil. He has no authority over you. Even his tricks and gimmicks, they're all so low-level flesh-based. You'll see it in the Spirit. Walk with God. You'll see it so clearly in the Spirit. Mm-mm. Praise the Lord. Let's take Holy Communion. Grab some unleavened bread. Grab some grape juice, and let's pray. Father, we thank you for the bread and the juice. We bless it through this prayer. We set it apart as being holy, and we thank you that this is now the body and the blood of Jesus. Now, Father, as we receive the Lord's body, we thank you that you are bringing your people into purity. We thank you, O God. We give you all of the praise. Hallelujah. We thank you that in many ways the church has been like the sleeping giant in the vision that Tommy Hicks saw back in the 1950s, but the giant is awakening. We thank you, O God, getting up out of the dirt. We thank you, O God. We give you praise. Father, you've called your people to be high flyers, not chickens. <laughs> and Father, we now receive the body of Jesus, and we thank you for victory and for our HUD screens up. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's protect together. My friends, live right. Live right. Don't be crooked in any way. Live right. Live straight. Praise the Lord. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you that the joy of the Lord is our strength. We give you praise for all of your ways are good and just. We thank you that you're moving by your spirit. This is the hour of the church's rising. Thank you, Father God, you've saved the best wine for last, and we intend to drink it and experience it. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's all say amen. Praise the Lord. My friends, let me put the giving link up at this time, as I believe these messages are blessing you, strengthening you in your walk with God. You now have opportunity to sow seed. And please also be mindful of our Feast of Tabernacles, October 1st, 2023. Please prepare your best seed and sow it and believe that God's going to do a great miracle because He is. Glory to God. Father, I pray you bless your people. I thank you for our time together. I thank you for my church family. Oh God, I give you praise. Bless them. I thank you that you are calling forth the remnant in this hour. We give you all of the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for watching. I'll see you back next time.